Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Solomon Brothers, Imena Nili Mili, opens things up here on this uh, week's edition of the Israel Show. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your week. We are here each and every Monday, live, immediately following JM in the AM, which right now translates to 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Israel Time, because of the time differential of daylight savings time between America and Israel. There's only six hour difference, but that will be rectified. This coming Thursday night, Friday morning, when Israel goes into daylight savings time as well. What can we do? Nebuchadnezzar, all of us. But anyway, (laughs) Um, and then it'll be back to the usual 4 p.m. Israel time. You can listen to us whenever you want, and you can ask your friends. And that would be so great and helpful. Ask your friends that um, you think will enjoy this kind of programming. Tell them about it. They can listen to it whenever they want via the Nachum Siegel Network app, which is available for free 
on the iTunes Store, on the Google Play, for Android and iPhone and iOS and everything else in between. You can listen whenever you want. And, of course, on the Nachum Siegel website, nachumsiegel.com. So uh, we're live and we're on demand, whichever you prefer. Uh, our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, 424 likes. We're working our way slowly. We're trudging through the snow to get to 500. So if you haven't liked the page yet, please do so. If you have, continue to like our uh, postings and get your friends to like the page. Yes, get everybody involved because no one has anything to do these days. Uh <laughs> On that very Facebook page, we post every week links to the playlist, to YouTube videos of our playlist. And, and uh, it is great, very well received. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people um, who take a look at that. And uh, we thank them as well. They enjoy the music because we always have great music. We have a mix of new music and nostalgic Israeli music, classical Israeli music. And now we're going to share with you a brand new uh, so uh, well, it's not a new song, but it's a new uh, version of an older song. Shlomo Gronich, one of the more interesting uh, composers and um, artists in Israel, had a performance in Tel Aviv in Hechala Tabut together with the Philharmonic Orchestra, and he did um, his songs his most popular songs over the years. One of them is called Shirim Pshutim, and we're going to debut that for you and with you right here in just a moment. We'll tell you that coming up, we're going to discuss, we're going to begin the discussion, because it'll just be a part one, um, of the rift, the very sad, very, very sad, and, and dangerous rift that is taking place right now between the religious Zionist world in Israel, the um, what sometimes are called the Kipot Shugot, and the army, and the IDF. And um, it'll all work out at the end, but right now there's tremendous tension, and uh, it, it is not good for Israel. We'll tell you a little bit about that. What are the sources? What happened? What created this rift between some of the best fighters and commanders that the IDF has? And um, and the IDEF um, establishment will tell you about um, a request that the United States had of Jordan and Jor- Jordan's refusal. So there are two interesting parts of that. One was that the United States made this request, and second is that Jordan decided to refuse. And we also have some very nice news, interesting news. We'll take you back to um, a time a few years ago when... Um, Tens of thousands of people came to somebody's wedding in Yerushalayim. Do you remember that situation? Well, we have a follow-up on that as well. Uh, But as we said, first, we're going to go to the music. Shirim Pshutim, Shlomo Gronich, and the Philharmonic Orchestra debuting it here on uh, The Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. Thanks for tuning in to the Nachum Siegel Network.
and the Philharmonic Orchestra live in performance. The song is actually a satire of itself. That's the funny part of the song. It's called Shirim Pshutim. Everybody likes simple songs, two chords, simple words, and ending, you know, each stanza with Am Yisrael Chai. And, and that's what the song is. That's cute. Shlomo Gronech off of that new album, my name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Well, the United States of America 
it is often said, well, why can't they force Israel to do this? And why can't they? If they give Israel so much money, no, 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 you always hear that claim, right? Well, here's an interesting example of uh, another, an, another facet of that claim. I'm going to take you back to August of 2001. This was the height of the terrorist activities in Israel, where buses were blowing up pizza parlors, ice cream parlors. They weren't blowing up. They were being blown up by suicide bombers. This was one of the most horrific times in, um, in recent Israeli history. You probably remember it. Every day there was some other incident. The people in Israel were going really berserk. It is known in the general world, by the way, as the first, the second intifada. But it is so crazy that we've adopted our enemy's terminology. And we haven't come up with our own terminology. Some people call it the Oslo War. Or the Oslo Terror Spree or whatever. Anyway, you know what I mean. In August 2001... One of the more horrendous suicide bombings was in the Sparrow restaurant. For for a while, there was a Sabaros, a kosher Sabaros in Yerushalayim, and it was on that main, just off that main cross crosswalk crossroad of um, Rehov Yafo and King George Strauss, etc. Fifteen people were killed by the bomb that went off in that crowded restaurant. Amongst them, by the way, American citizens. Seven children, a pregnant woman. 130 people were injured. A woman, Achlam Tamimi is her name, drove the suicide bomber to Sbarro's knowing exactly what she was doing, that she was driving this suicide bomber to the place where he will commit suicide and take with him as many Jews as possible. She was caught, ultimately, and she was jailed in Israel. She was... The the court gave her 16 life sentences. So you would hope that she would end her life, her one life, in an Israeli prison. But no, she was released 12 years later in the um, prisoner exchange for Gilad Shalit, where over a thousand prisoners were exchanged for Gilad Shalit. What's she been up to since her release? Well, she went to Jordan. She has Jordanian citizenship, so she went back to Jordan. And she's a celebrity. She's a television celebrity. She has a show. She is a a symbol, an icon of the Arab struggle against Israel. And she has said, openly, in an interview, which is on the internet, this was a calculated action that I took. And I took it because of the deep belief that I have in Allah. 
A jihad warrior always has to be willing to die, to be imprisoned, or whatever it takes in order for their mission to be completed. And I was able to overcome my sentence because I was released. Why should I regret anything I did? I don't regret it. Unrepentant. I think this is part of the trauma that is the Gilad Shalit deal that when Israel woke up the next morning, many Israelis who, who were pressuring the release of the, of the terrorists, many Israelis said, wait a minute, what did we do? We were caught up in, 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 in the PR movement. Anyway, so something interesting happened. For the first time, the United States Justice Department requested Jordan to extradite this terrorist. Now, those of you, uh, you know, whatever you want to say about Donald Trump, but we know one thing, the attitude of the Trump administration towards Israel and everything Israel is markedly different. It's so different not only in style, but in substance, to what was happening in the past eight years with Barack Obama. So the Justice Department finally asked for extradition. Involved, of course, was... somewhat, was um, Nitsana Darshan Leitner of Shurat Hadin. But this was the American Justice Department. And guess what Jordan answered? Jordan who gets tremendous aid from the United States, Jordan, who's one of our allies, Jordan, who's being asked to release a terrorist, an ex- not release, an extradited terrorist, to stand, for just- to stand to justice because American citizens were killed as well. Jordan, today, this morning, just came in the news, refused no we're going to hold on to our terrorist we'll shelter her that's pretty amazing and one other point about the uh, Trump administration in Israel you know that Donald Trump has uh, nominated to be ambassador to Israel an orthodox Jewish American who was very supportive of um, Beitel, of Yehudan Shamron in general, those living there. And um, he also appointed a special emissary, Jason Greenblatt, to be uh, the, um, what do they call it, special emissary for the negotiations between the uh, Israel and Israel and the uh, Arab-Palestinians. And uh, Jason Greenblatt is also an Orthodox Jew. He was a lawyer that worked for Donald Trump for many years. Um, You've seen many pictures of him with a kippah. When he came to Israel, he did not wear his kippah for political reasons. They didn't think it was prudent that a person that has to get the gain the trust of the Arabs should walk in with a kippah. But everybody knows who he is. He is a graduate, not I wouldn't say graduate, he, he was 
He spent his gap year in Israel in 1985 in the Gush, in Yeshivat Haritzion. He's a graduate of YU. Received his law degree from New York University. So, like, can you ask for someone better? We're talking about the, the, the ambassador and the envoys for negotiations. Well, he tweeted last week something that really caught my attention. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Turns out that uh, Jason Greenblatt lost his mother. And he is within those 11 months during which he is saying Kaddish. And he tweeted out, Thank you, Israeli Prime Minister's Office, for the Mincha Minion, and Prime Minister Netanyahu for davening with me so that I could say Kaddish for my mother. How do you like that? The American envoy to the U.S., uh, to, to the Israel-Palestinian-Arab um, negotiations needs a minion to say Kaddish for his mother and members of the Israeli Prime Minister's office and the Prime Minister himself join in the minion and Davin Mincha together. Okay, I, times, times change. Times do change. Another new one, new and old one, Nisim Grama recorded a new version. We call it Covered. He, he recorded a cover for the famous Eric Einstein song, Yonati Tamati. We're going to debut it for you right now, right here. My name is Mayor Weingart, and you're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Nisim Grama, Yonati Tamati, a remake of the Arik Einstein classic. We're debuting it here on the Israel Show. Thank you for tuning in. We're on the Nachum Siegel Network. We're here every Monday, or whenever you want to. We're here live every Monday, immediately following Jamie Damon, or whenever you want to listen to us. We're on demand via the Nachum Siegel Network app or website, nachumsiegel.com, if you want to comment you can comment on the app now while we're live you can comment on our facebook page as well facebook.com slash the israel show or you can send me an email mayor m-e-i-r at nachomsegel.com you have so many ways to comment hopefully positively but we take all comments positive less positive whatever whatever comments you want to make we're here so please do so we uh, have been telling you in, in a headline that there is currently a rift between the uh, religious Zionist leadership, the Rashi Yeshivot Hezder of the Mechinot, and between the army, the uh, establishment of the army. What's happening? It depends who you ask, but here's a fact. The ranks of the officers in the Israel Defense Forces, the number of kipot goat of religious Zionists in the ranks of the officers, the middle level of the officers, is growing tremendously. And it is the result of the work of the Mechinot, these are educational institutions, post-high school educational institutions that catered specifically to young Israeli men and sometimes women as well, who wanted to have a career in the army or at least to serve in the army in the best possible way. But they knew and they know that if they don't build up their spirituality, their connection to Judaism. Before they go into the army, there's a tremendous risk that they come out of the army not no longer religious. And so 25 years ago, the Mechina, the, 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 the leading Mechina, Bnei David, in the Yishuv of Eli, headed by Rav Sadan, Eli Sadan, founded and heads it still, was founded in order to give those young men the strength, the foundations that will keep them religious, will keep their connection to Judaism strong while they serve in the army, in the regular units, unlike the Hesder boys that were at first and separate. The Hesder boys were um, somewhat influ- uh, well, very much influenced by the yeshivot who didn't want them to be career army people. They wanted them to go out into the general 
population. Um, the Mechinot, like Eli and others, were happy to uh, have their students become career army men and move up in the ranks and make a difference. So, there are those that say that the leadership in the army just got scared when they looked around and saw how many religious, orthodox, kipotzrugot were making their way up the ranks, and they wanted to curb that. I don't know if that's true. That's sort of like the, 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 the theory that's going around. Haraveli Sadan, as we said, the founder of, uh, of, of the very first Mechina and the person who's pushed this forward, says that there are other reasons, as has Rav Meidan from the Rosh Hashiva of the Gush. And we'll hear a, a short clip of Eli Sadan in a moment. But whatever the reasoning is, what is happening now in the army is a push for mixed battalions, meaning that men and women should serve together in fighting situations. And that clearly does not work for Orthodox people. And is if, if this is a conspiracy, this would be a way to push Orthodox people away from becoming officers and, and making their way up in the ranks. So, Rav Meidan for example, in a, in, in a lecture that he gave, which was surreptitiously recorded and then released to the press, spoke about a situation that he knows about where one of the Gush uh, students who was taking a uh, officer's training course in Badahad was given a command to, as they were training and carrying wounded and so forth, to carry one of the female soldiers on his shoulders so that, that can't work if there's going to be a mixed a mixed uh, uh, um, fighting units. Let's take a listen to Raveli Sadan. He put out a video specifically discussing this issue. This is the introduction in which he explains the background of why he thinks this, uh, this, this started, this phase in the army where they're pushing the combat for women in mixed units together with men. זיהו שהצבא זה המקום, זה הזירה הנכונה לעצב את פני החברה הישראלית וכתוצאה מזה התחילו תהליכים בשנים האחרונות בתוך הצבא שאנחנו מרגישים על ידם מותקפים אם זה מחיקת התודעה היהודית, אם זה ערבוב בנות במקומות שבעבר הם לא היו, אם זה סגירה של כל מיני חוקים של פקודות השילוב הראוי שהצבא החליט לוותר עליהם. So Rav Sadan, unlike the conspiracy theorists, Rav Sadan doesn't say that this is coming from within the army. Maybe he has his politics, but he's saying that outside forces 
organizations of the radical left have started over the last two years to exert tremendous influence over the the higher ranks in the army in an effort to do something that the radical left in America is doing, to erase the concept of gender, being male or female. Now, you, you, if, if you're living in America and you hear a little bit of the news, you probably know that the radical left in America is, is being successful on some level, on, uh, especially with the support of, of former President Obama during his term, in, in what is basically a, a um, mission to erase the, the gender differences. The idea that male and female, Zaharu Baram, that God created man and woman, is, is not true. That gender is defined by what the person feels. In fact, you may be aware of the fact that President Obama realistically forced schools and, and, and government offices to allow men who identify as women to use the ladies' room. Can you imagine the uncomfortable feeling of a, a female when a man walks into the, to, into the ladies' room because he identifies as a female? This is what's going on throughout America today. If you're not aware of it, wake up. I, I run a business in New York... As you know, we start the show every time we say we're coming from the corporate headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I got a mailing from the city of New York. I don't want to, I'm so embarrassed by it, I don't want to even post it on Facebook. But if you really want to see it, email me and I'll send it to you. Mayor at NachumSiegel.com or Mayor at ArielTours.com. We got a mailing from the city of New York saying that as a business functioning in New York, we must not discriminate against anybody who identifies their gender as other than male and female or a male that identifies as a female and so on. Just to give you a a, a clue of what that means. If I'm running a business in New York and one of the men who work in my office, maybe I'm running a bank and a teller is a male teller who decides one day to come in dressed as a female. Well, I can't do anything about it. I can't tell them that's not appropriate. No, no, I have to be understanding. Not only that, according to the city of New York, I have to, this is Bill de Blasio. I mean, it's obviously where that's coming from. Uh, I have to accommodate them and allow them to use whichever bathroom they want to. How does that make the other workers feel? How does that make the clients feel? It doesn't matter. I can't discriminate. And in this mailing, the city of New York listed 30 different gender definitions. Male and female? Oh, that's nothing. That's just two. It's 30. I don't know what most of them mean, to 
be honest with you. But this is one of the missions of the radical left around the world. And so people with that agenda began influencing the Israeli army with the idea that women and men can serve together. For example, I mean, the most radical idea would be women and men serving together in a tank. Can you imagine what that would be like? A tank is tiny. I don't know if you've ever been in one, but I have been in one, not in combat, but I've been in one. It's a tiny, cramped, closed quarters where four soldiers can be in for days. Men and women going to serve together? So obviously, according to what Rav Sadan said, what we just heard, this can't work. And Rav Meidan, in an interview yesterday on Galei Tzahal, said, we are trying to work this out with the army. We're trying to show them the situation that is happening and we're trying to rectify it slowly. But Rav Meidan said, the house is on fire. Our house is on fire. And we're gonna, it's going to take a lot of work to put out this fire. Ultimately, the, we would define it this way. The army has one job. Win. Defeat the enemy. And, unfortunately, both in the United States, maybe in Europe as well, but for sure in the United States, there are those that have made the army into a social engineering project. And that is what they're trying to do in Israel as well now. Trying to make the army into a social engineering project. And that's not what the army is there for. The army is not a political party. The army is not a, a side in the different conflicts within Israeli society. The army's job is to win the war, to defeat the enemy. And if we're dealing now with organizations that have the crazy notions of using the army to fight the wars, the battles, not against our enemies, but for the social neshama, the social soul of the state of Israel, instead of that argument taking place in the Knesset, in the public, in the newspapers, in in whatever discussions people have between them, this could lead to a very bad place. Because a weakened army... We don't have to say what can happen with a weakened army. Okay, we're going to go to a song and then uh, we'll have uh, a nice story to end off with, hopefully. It's a bittersweet story. So this is uh, from Shlomo Gronich's new album, as we mentioned, with the Israel Philharmonic. This is his classic, Hamasal Eretz Yisrael, tells the story of uh, Ethiopian Jews making their way to the land of Israel through the very difficult situations that they um, 
encounter along the way. Hamasala Eretz Yisrael Shlomo Gronich and the Phil Harmonic. My name is Mayor Weingarten. And you are tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
the story of the Ethiopian, Ethiopian Jewish community that made its way to Israel through the deserts, through great difficulties. They didn't have the luxuries of nefesh benefesh and so forth. Hamasala Eretz Yisrael offered the new album of Shlomo Gronich and the Philharmonic Orchestra. You may remember about a year and a half ago, and we, we spoke about it a lot back then, Rav Yaakov Litman and his son Etanel were murdered as they were driving on a Friday afternoon to the Afruf, the Shabbat Chatan, of their future son-in-law, who would be marrying their daughter Sarah Tachia Litman. I think everybody was involved in that story. The country was wrapped up in the horrific scene, the car standing in the middle of the road, the father and the brother that are shot, and Sarah Tchia Littman, who was at home, and what she was going through. She sat shiva, the wedding was postponed, and in their enormous heart, they decided that their wedding should be a celebration of life and they invited all of Am Yisrael to come. They moved the venue to Binyanei HaUmah, the convention center near, near the entrance to Yerushalayim. And in fact, if you remember, tens of thousands of people came to dance with them, to, to be joyous with them, to celebrate their wedding. We posted videos of it back then on uh, our Facebook page. We spoke about it. We brought you even recordings of, of parts of the wedding. It was so crowded that most of the people that came had to stand outside and dance outside. And the Chatan and Kala, at a few points during the wedding, came out to celebrate with them. That was the beauty. People came from Canada, from America, from Europe. It was amazing. Well, thank God they have a baby. And uh, Sarah, Sarah Tachia, the then bride, is now finishing up her degree in education. She decided she wants to, to be a teacher and she's getting an, a degree in education. And she um, picked as the subject for her um, research project how personal loss affects the prayers of young students. What an amazing topic. Here is somebody who understands what personal loss is. But she's, she's older. And she says it affected her prayers, her tefillot. So she decided to do a survey and see how it affects younger people when they daven, when they are mitpalilim. So one of them said that uh, someone who lost their father in the Lebanon War, the Second Lebanon War, said that when they make the bracha mechayeh it has a whole new meaning. 
they think of of their father in the hopes that he'll return to them. Another one who lost a father in a terrorist attack, she says she feels closer to God because she is a Yatoma, because she lost her father. She says, I feel that God took something away from me, in a sense, and therefore I am closer to him. On the other hand, a young boy who lost his father in a traffic accident says he has a very difficult time davening in the morning because he's angry at God who took away his father. There's no conclusions. She does not reach any conclusions at the end of this uh, uh, survey. But it's a fascinating and moving examination of a phenomenon that is, let us say, unfortunately, very much part of Israeli life. And it is it, it was so interesting, the thought, let's see how something that is so horrible has an effect on the prayers of young people who from the depths of their hurt, of their broken soul, if you will, are still praying. Nomi Shemer, I remember at the time, wrote um, to the words of Rav Nachman Bresov, En davar shalem yoter milev shavor. There's nothing more whole than a broken heart. So, we wish the best, as we did a year and a half ago. We do it again now. We wish the best to Sarah Tachia Beigel, formerly Litman, and um, with such sensitivity, we are sure that she is going to be a great, great teacher of um, the young men and women of Israel. That comes, by the way, from um, the uh, weekly column of Sivan Rahav Meir in Yidiot Achronot. You want to email her, you can do that at sivanrahavmeir at gmail.com. And so we're going to close out another edition of the Israel Show. First, we thank you for listening, for your Facebook likes, your comments, your emails, your involvement. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks to the staff at the Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, an hour of great Jewish music, followed by an encore presentation of Headlines with David Lichtenstein, whom we wish Mazel Tov, because he had a wedding recently in his family. And then the great Monday Music Marathon with music selections picked by Mark Zamek. Let's see, what are we going to end off with? We didn't decide. You know what? We'll end off with this classic. You remember uh, back in the 60s, the song... um, those were the days, my friend. Well, this is the Hebrew version of it, done by Avi Toledano. Ka'ele hayu hayamim. A little nostalgia. We'll end off with that. Until next Monday, following J.M. in the A.M., this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. Oh, no, they're just running in a different race.
ישבור הצר תמצא עדיין, Oh, my God. 